Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. But of course, you know that, and that's why you're here. Today, we had a very special guest. I know I've said that a few times, but we, I'm just so blessed that I keep getting, I say, a, a hashtag blessed, that I keep getting uh, the opportunity to have a chat with so many inspiring uh, individuals from all walks of life. Today's guest was Michael Lane from Success Resources. Now, if you don't know who he is or what they do, they are basically the world's largest entrepreneurship and business education seminar company. They, they've got clients such as Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, heaps and heaps, Richard Branson, you name it. Um, so he's, a bit, he's big in the game in that sense, but he's also got an amazing insight into how to think, how to act. Uh, and all kinds of stuff that are going to help you on your property, business, entrepreneurship journey as you grow and develop. So we do talk a lot about business in this episode, but again, think of your property journey like a business. And there's a lot that you can take away from it if you start to think in that direction. We covered heaps of really, 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 really great ground. And on a personal level, I got so much out of this. And I learned a lot about Michael that I didn't know. Uh, and I'm sure that you're going to have a few surprises as you listen to this episode as well. We talked about you know, how to create a vision that's strong enough and big enough to achieve global impact. We talked about his mission to impact over a billion people globally. Um, you know, we talked about the, the role that failure plays in every journey to success and how to balance relationships and business and how to find harmony instead of balance. There was so many amazing things we covered there. We, we talked about building a legacy and of course we talked about you know, uh, real estate investing as well. And we talked about why he believes it's a good thing to do for anyone who wants to progress their financial capital. And, and there's so much gold in there. Absolute dynamite episode. And I'm really grateful to Michael for spending some time with me and actually spending some time with you because this is a man who has built multiple, multiple successful global businesses. And these are, these are the opportunities that we all get from time to time to take a peek through the window and see where we can go. So I hope you get as much out of this as I did. Uh, I, I'm certain that you will. And of course, if you wanted to uh, take this further and if you wanted to connect with us and everything we do in our mission, then just head to theinvestorlab.com.au to find the many ways that we can support your journey, both free and compensated. We are here to serve you where you are at. So don't be afraid. Head to theinvestorlab.com.au. Make use of it. We've got books. We've got free guides. We've obviously got this podcast. We've got videos. We've got our community, which is probably the best place that you can get to if you really want to incubate and accelerate your journey as well. So without further ado, I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Now, joining me today is a very, very special guest. Now, he is a successful entrepreneur who has built a global business which helps entrepreneurs become successful by learning from other successful entrepreneurs talking about success. And his company is now the world's largest, correct me if I'm wrong, but the world's largest seminar provider in the business and entrepreneurship space. Uh, with annual revenues of, of over a billion dollars. So it's a huge success story there. I'm obviously talking about uh, the inimitable Michael Lane for, from Success Resources. Michael, welcome to the Investor Lab. Thank you, mate. And I do want to correct you. I wish we were doing a billion dollars a year, um, but no, we've, we've done over a billion in that business. So mate, that's, 
that's mate. That's still that's still fantastic. So I I, I thought I knew there'd be something in there that I might have might have uh, mislabeled slightly. But it's mate, it's epic. And what I want to dig into today, and look, I really want to say uh, publicly thanks for your time. You're obviously running a global business uh, with many 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 moving parts. And as someone who's been in business myself for 15 years, um, to in in different ways, I know how much time that takes, energy that takes. So I really want to say thanks for for showing up and, and offering something to our audience too. My pleasure. Thank you. So what I want to talk about today, now, uh, we sort of touched on this just before we came on air. Our audience is made up of property investors, but typically entrepreneurial property investors, some business owners, some aspiring, all of that kind of stuff. I really want to get a bit of a perspective on um, your journey, not in an autobiographical sense, but I really sort of want to dig into how you've actually managed to do what you're doing because it's no mean feat. One one thing I want to ask is, actually, let's just take this back a little bit in case people don't know who you are. How big is Success Resources and what do you guys do? Yeah, look, we, we're traditionally a seminar company. Now, as we record this, we're in the tail end of COVID-19. Um, and, you know, last year, to give you some idea, we did 525 events in 37 countries. As I sit here right now, I'm doing zero live events, but I'm doing digital events. So we, we have a pretty large business where we service millions of clients every single year in dozens of countries around the world. And what I do is I partner with the world's best thought leaders, entrepreneurs, leaders, and we scale their message around the world. So, you know, some cool people I've had on stage is, uh, Sir Richard Branson, Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, Tony Robbins. These are guys that I've partnered with and in some of those for, you know, 15, 20 years I've partnered with them and we tour them both physically and digitally and, yeah, we were in the business of educating entrepreneurs. That's awesome. So my background before being in the real estate space was actually in events. So, okay. uh, and I don't mean cocktail parties either. I was doing events and site and production management for stuff like, you know, places like Glastonbury Festival, Future mm. Music Festival, like, like large, large scale touring events. I reckon at best, I was probably doing at, at the peak when I was doing the most, I think I did about 28 uh, events in a year. And that was hectic. How do you, how do you, how many people are in your team or how do you manage over 500 events in a year? Yeah, look, it's a lot. And, you know, Typically, it's 10 a week somewhere in the world. So um, you need an amazing team. Let's be really honest. If it was just up to me, nothing would be happening. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, I, I can't put on an event. I don't know what to do with the microphones, the audio visual. Um, I could probably collect your ticket at the door. That's probably, if, there's, if we're talking about qualifications, I could probably collect a ticket. But I've got 250 staff in 10 offices around the world. Uh, they are the true heroes. They're the people who take my wacky ideas and execute them. And, and look, one of the things that I found out or discovered on my journey is um, I'm really good at the strategy side of the business. Um, and I needed to execute those strategies, but I needed to find a team to execute them. So back in the day when I came up with a harebrained idea to do something, it was always Here's a strategy, then I'm going to go try and sell it and scale it and figure it out. Now, I just would rather either joint venture with people who can scale quickly or I hire people 
who can do the execution part. And look, you can't run 500 events and have a small team. You need great partners and great team. Yeah, I mean, I would go as far as to say, if you want to achieve any level of great, greatness, you need, to, you need to build a team, right? Absolutely. So tell me a little bit, why did you, why did you decide, decide to start Success Resources? Look, for, to be brutally honest, I didn't start it. Um, I bought into this a long time ago. Great. Uh, I've got two business partners. One's been doing this for 35 years. The other one's been doing it for 26. Uh, I came into the business commission only on the sales floor in 2003. Fantastic. And within 18 months, I was the young, arrogant, egotistical entrepreneur <laughs> who goes, you know what? I can do this myself. And I left the business, went and did some stuff myself, made some really good money really quickly. But then I figured out I had one revenue stream because I had one speaker. And then mm. he, he had health complications and all of a sudden I had no business. Mm. So there's a journey like we always have and we've always got. I eventually came back after trying a whole heap of other stuff. In 2009, I bought into the business then when we were doing three events a year and we're in one city and we're doing in Sydney. And look, since 2009 till today, it's been a, a pretty hectic run. But, you know, there's so many ups and downs in that journey. I'm giving you the, you know, the three-minute version. But, uh, oh, my who, God, I could tell who, you. Who's been the driver of that growth? Is that like... like who is the who is the that the 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 leading force behind changing that from a three events a year company in two thousand and nine or whatever it was to 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 now over five hundred? Like like has that been you or has that been one of the other partners? Look, um, it's been collectively all of us. Um, yeah. You know, my business partners are both in their sixties. I just turned forty. Um, I'm the okay. one with the yeah. I, I'm the I'm the young uh, aspirational. Um, over, uh, but probably too big for my boots sometimes. But I'm the guy who is sort of the face of it, the social side of it. Um, when I said to the my other two founders and the board, I'm like, guys, we we need to start doing content. We need to get the phone up and start doing stuff. I looked around the table, and most of them said, "What are you even talking about?" So you know, we're only three years. I'm I'm only three years into doing a bit of content and and putting a bit of a a face behind the brand, but very, very much so there is a board, there's an executive team, and there are 75 amazing leaders and managers within our business who all contribute to the success. How much do you think, because I've noticed you are online, um, multiple platforms, always quite vocal, and you're a great face for the business, of course. How much has content marketing your, how much is your personal brand of content marketing? We don't want to get stuck on this, but I'm very interested. How much is your efforts in that field, taking videos and doing all that kind of stuff, contributed, do you think, either soft or like just a soft metric or just an opinion, how much has that contributed to the overall success of the business? And the backside of that is, do you think that that is a requisite for creating a successful business in, in any field in, uh, in the market today? Um, you know, when I first got into it, I didn't know if it was going to have any impact, to be really honest. Uh, I remember it was Naomi Simpson who said, um, and I was about to put her on stage one year in 2015 or 16. She goes, Michael, what, what is this business? I know nothing about it. No one's ever heard of it. It's a great Australian success story in 20 odd countries back then. And no one knows of you guys. So much so that, you know, when we first reached out, she thought we were a mining company, success resources. Wow. You know, when you say resources in Australia, you <laughs> 
he said, Michael, you need to get to content. I did nothing with that until I started promoting a gentleman called Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. And he goes, dude, if you don't start doing content, you're stuffed. And we re and I really took note of that. So look, to, to answer your question, it has been pivotal in our success. And now let me break that down. Mm. Michael Lane spruiking what we're doing is not going to be successful. Michael Lane sharing the values of our business authentically with an audience does get some traction. But here's where the real rubber hits the road. It's allowed me to connect with entrepreneurs that maybe I couldn't have in the past. It's allowed me to do deals with people because I've got some level of expertise. And, and when I am backstage and I've got Sir Richard Branson next to me or, or Tony Robbins or some other amazing person, it helps. But here's a, here's a real life example. I did an acquisition on a company last year based off a post I did on LinkedIn. That company today is worth a hundred million bucks. That was from a post I did on LinkedIn. As in they reached out to you after you did a post on LinkedIn and they said, hey, and they started the relationship off the back of that? Correct. Now, wow. if, I'd, if I'd never done, if I'd never picked up the phone, if I never shared the voice that I have and the values that I have, I would never have done that deal. So mm. I can now tell you, and I'm actually starting to document this because there is a huge correlation between um, my content, my voice, and scaling this business. And multiple businesses now, when we're talking primarily around my success resources company, I have several other businesses, and most of them in the last three years have come through social media. Mm. And, and so much so, I, every three months I go out and go, hey guys, I'm looking to partner or joint venture with somebody um, who here has an amazing business that would like me to scale in 37 countries with 6.7 million clients. That gets you some attention. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 fa it's fascinating, right? Because um, I'm pretty proactive in getting out there and seeing my, getting my face and my voice heard. I've sort of backed off a little bit over the last couple of months, but we've been growing the podcast. And I think it's very important that we share our values and our story and everything like that because realistically, it's authenticity and connection which is going to build a better world. That's my opinion. Um, now, just from thinking how that can actually, you talk about joint ventures and obviously within the real estate space, we do, there are a lot of joint ventures as well. Like there's joint ventures on developments. There's loads of different ways that people can partner with and joint venture with other people. And I would say that um, everything you've just shared about um, the impact of personal brand message or uh, authenticity, uh, expertise and stuff like that can be shared by pretty much anyone. If anyone wants to go out and share their story and what that could do is open you up to the ability to expand your own, say, your investing journey. So, for example, if you were buying properties or doing whatever and you're involved in the space and you've got a passion for the space, even if you just have a passion for it and you're not even doing any deals yet, but you can bring value to people, then people are going to look to you for value and build that. They're going to build up that value relationship in their own mind. And then when you say, hey, uh, I'm interested in doing a joint venture on a small development. Is anyone interested? There are going to be a whole bunch of people who have already built a relationship in their own mind. And I think that's a super valuable takeaway. Now, I want to ask a little bit about um, failure. How long have you been, uh, how many businesses have you had? How many businesses do you currently own and what, or currently own, manage or, or whatever you're involved in and what role has failure played in the, in the development of your business journey to, to date? Okay, so there's a few questions in there. Um, yep. 
I'm actually documenting. Here's my book, uh, um, and I'm and I'm going through this at the moment and actually documenting every single venture that I've done. Um, now there's 550 plus ventures to give you some idea, uh, <laughs> and and I'm I'm trying to document them and remember them. While I wish I had documented every single one. Here's what I've done. I document my losses. I document a lot of the stuff ups that I've made mm. because mate, I've left billions of dollars on the table and I learn more from my losses than I do from my wins. So, um, I can't tell you how many, do you mean I have in the vicinity of probably 30 adventures on the go? Mm-hmm. Um, I know major failures that I was the founder is nine. Um, and even good businesses that shouldn't have gone bust that I just stuffed up. Yeah. Uh, so, so just on those nine that you were the founder and they were the sort of major failures and that's like you from go to woe, you started it and you stuffed it up and they're dead. Yeah. How, what, what specifically around those rather than the more minor ones, how, how has that shaped your, your um, journey? Like how has that shaped who you are today? Massively. I'll tell you why. Because I was a young egotistical entrepreneur who thought that every single deal was going to make a billion dollars. And that's just not how the world works. Um, I was also naive to think that I've got to retain 100% of every deal. Now, when you retain 100% of every deal, you're responsible for everything that happens. So a lot of the ventures I have now, I can take 5%, 15%. The most I'll take is 50%. I never want 100% of any opportunity ever again in my life. And I would rather take a minor share than a major because I want somebody else awake at night thinking about it more than me. So when you've had so many failures, so many losses, so many joint ventures, you quickly realize that I'd rather give somebody the lion's share and somebody the major component of it. For example, I'm doing a deal right now with, look, I'm talking a company that does 100 million turnover, founders are worth half a billion, top three brand in that field globally, and I'm walking in their boardroom at the moment and I'm doing 90% of the work and I'm giving them between 50 to 75%. They don't know this yet. I've offered them 50, I'll go to 75 on a new code company because they've got 20 million clients that if I take my idea and concept and they tap it into their 20 million clients, it can scale so much quicker than me trying to go, hey, let's put a social media team together and then let's get three people on the phone. I'm like, I just can't do that anymore, right? I did that model. It does not work. It's slow and steady and slow and steady slowly kills a business. So everything I do now, I will go give almost the lion's share to somebody, but that somebody either has massive scale or they can execute so much better than I can. And when you understand that game, and then this is not a, a Michael Lang game. This is a Richard Branson game. Mm. This is a Donald Trump game before he turned into who he is. This is a Jamie Packer. This is all these guys. They don't take the lion's share. They stick to the strategy and get someone else to take the lion's share to do the execution. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And it's interesting because I often, like whenever we've got to make an interesting decision, because sometimes you've got to face those decisions between uh, minutia and uh, you know strategy or whatever, I often ask myself, would Richard Branson do this? You know, mm-hmm. like, do, is that the thing that is that actually the thing that I need to go and do if I want to build a good business? Because I'm not sure that Richard Branson would do that if he was in my shoes. And I kind of do actually put that lens over it to try and think to try and help to think more strategically. 
Super smart. I love yeah. that. And I, th- and I think one of the interesting things you pointed out there that you kind of danced around, but I wanted to highlight is that the interesting thing is when you own more than 50%, so when you are the majority stakeholder in any uh, arrangement, particularly if you're 100%, what you are essentially putting a caveat on is my ideas are, 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 the, are the silo. Now, if you own 100% of a venture, you own 100% of the reward, 100% of the risk, but you're also cushioning yourself in a lot of ways from challenging perspectives. If you go into 50% partnership, Somebody else is going to have a different life experience, uh, different. They're going to be listening to different podcasts, have different coaches, have walked a different path to get there. And you may that that challenge and that friction or that 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 cooperation or however you, that may be, those two energies running against each other is what's going to create a better synergy over the long term. So I think it's I think it's a real uh, risk when people go, look, I want all of it. I me personally, I'd rather have a little bit and help other people succeed and find more prosperity through that. Uh, through the success of others and just and and go like your favor your favor you take more i think is a better way to do it so i, I agree and, and and the same with property developers it's like you're probably going to do more than one deal yeah. right and and if you can give away 95 percent of the profit you keep five and you learn what you need to learn from that and you leverage off the partnership here's a, de- a real life deal i did i gave 95 percent to a very big company and i took five percent i would have done it for zero be really honest, just to have proximity. I've since used that name and that brand and generated $10 million worth of deals in 18 months after it because I said I was in business with those guys. So I call it in my world, my entrepreneurial apprenticeship. Yep. You, need to, you need to figure it out. You need to go figure out the lessons, learnings and get proximity to people who are doing it on a massive scale. Same with property developers, property investors. You know, it's probably not, you're probably going to do 5, 10, 20 deals over your career Give away the money and learn what you can in the first couple. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, if we, and it's interesting at the moment we're actually um, putting together a couple of deals, and our perspective is: look, we'll, we're actually happy to loss lead or just leave all the money on the table. Don't mind because the bigger picture over the five, ten, twenty, thirty year timeline is that there's a huge amount of uh, relationship capital, financial capital, intellectual capital, which will be gained over the long run. So. I've got a few questions that I want to ask you on a more personal level, but given that you surround yourself with so many successful people on, on, in actually business relationships, but then also in the function of the of success resources as a company, do you have personal mentors or do you just absorb it all by osmosis? Or how do you, how do you continuously challenge your own perspectives? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Look, if you don't have mentors, I believe you're 10 years behind where you would be if you had a mentor. Mm. Uh, you know, I've got mentors in nearly, in probably six different areas of my life. Um, I've got virtual mentors or global mentors or people that I tune into their podcasts. I'm constantly learning. I listen to Gary V. I mean, I partnered with Gary for four years, but I listen to Gary's content religiously because I'll pick up something that'll help me in my business. That's That's a no cost, massive value exchange uh, from one of the most iconic marketing minds on the planet. It would be idiotic of me not to tune into that. But again, I think you need to have people who you can call, people you can meet up with who are experts as well. So yeah, I truly believe in it. Mm, Awesome. Now, given... um Given that you are running all of these businesses and you're very busy and you've got a global company that you're the managing director of and all of that kind of stuff, plus you're producing a lot of social content, personal brand, and all of that kind of stuff, 
How do you balance your relationship, your personal relationship with your wife and your family? How do you balance that with your business? Because I think this is one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is that they throw themselves. I, I'm a I'm a massive proponent of hard work, but they throw themselves into the into their business or into their real estate journey or into like whatever that may be, and they kind of lose balance. How have you managed to navigate that? Yeah, look, you know, I mean, I'm in my twentieth year of business, so I'm um, there's there's no you know, I'm figuring it out as I go. And, and because I invest a lot of time in my own education, I'm constantly evolving my ideas and my thoughts. I'm of the belief that there is no such thing as balance. There's just harmony. Mm. Right? Um, I've taken time out of business and I wasn't happy because I truly believe business is one of the things that I'm here to do. Um, I have to have an amazing schedule. I have to schedule family time. I have to schedule trips away. I'm currently in Byron as we speak now. I've set up a room in this house we've rented and I'm in here for seven hours a day, every single day doing business. And then the other hours I'm at the beach with the kids, I'm doing other things. So there is no balance in my world. That's my own philosophy that I've just found harmony entwining both into it. And look, I've got a very, very understanding wife. Um, she gives me a lot of, um, you know, what's the probably the worst word? She gives me a long leash for me to do what I want to do. And look, I'm extremely clear on why I'm here and what I'm doing for the next 10 years. And if you're not clear and you're just showing up every day, uh, I don't think you're truly valuing the time you've got. So for me, I've got a very understanding family, but I schedule and have a lot of time daily where I'm spending time face-to-face, -face, no technology. Mm. What, why are you here? Or like, actually, let me rephrase that question. What is your, what is the vision? But also how do you create a vision strong enough to, to keep pulling you forward for 20, 30? How do you create that vision that is that strong? Yeah. Well, firstly, my vision is by 2050 to impact a billion people through positive education. Sick. That's, it's very clear uh, for 20 years I've been working towards this. Um, every year I get closer and closer. There's two key areas that I focus on. The first one was uh, Tony Robbins telling me back in 2011, backstage at an event we were running, and it wasn't just me. There was a couple of people around, and someone asked the key question, but I felt like Tony was talking directly to me. And he said, when you've got a vision for yourself, you can only impact yourself. When you've got a vision for your community, you can only impact your community. When you've got a vision for humanity, you can truly make a difference. And when you truly start working on a big vision like that, you start to collaborate and you start to do things at a much bigger level. So that really woke me up because it was all about Michael Lane in the beginning. It was all about what car could I buy, what stuff could I acquire, you know, the penthouses, the houses, whatever it was. And it wasn't fulfilling. And when you taste success, I, I was blessed to taste success, which let's be honest, success in the early stages of money. At 24, I made my first million bucks. What I realized is what when I walked down to the garage and got into my car, the happiness started to dissipate on, this, on the car, mm. on the house, on the things that I thought would make me happy. It wasn't sustainable. So then I realized it's not about the stuff that I can acquire. I get more happiness out of making an impact in other people's lives than I do impacting my life with an extra car or whatever it may be. So when you understand that, you, you start to play a different game. You start to tap into that thing Tony talked about. Mm. Um, 
And the last thing for me is really the legacy play. You know, everyone gets to their deathbed and goes, fuck, I wish I did this. I wish I could have had that, done that. I'm working on that now because I don't want it to be something that I do later. So to give you an idea, my billion people impacted is a series of collaborations, partnerships with the world's greatest and most influential people who will hopefully partner with me, and some of them already are, on helping people understand the entrepreneurial journey. You know, people like The Rock, Oprah, Kevin Hart, different people who go, I've got a message and I've got a story and everyone thinks it's, you know, all like this on a 45-degree angle and it's not, you know. So what lessons can they share with my audience in collaboration with me over the next decade? And some of these people, if I name 10 of them that I'm talking to, that's a billion people right there. Mm. So it's all there. But here's the next important piece. I'm in phase one of my journey. Phase one is from me to 50. And that's building generational wealth for me so that the second half of my life, 50 to 94, is about trying to make a bigger impact on the planet. So for the next 10 years, I'm working freaking hard. I've got 10 years to get this done. And then I've got to move on to helping bigger things. You kind of touched on it, legacy. Like what, why, is, why is this important to you? Like why, why is it important for you to impact a billion people, build generational wealth, focus 44 years on creating global impact? Why is that important? And what, what is it that you actually do want to be remembered for out of all of this? Firstly, I, I'm arrogant enough to think I can. I truly believe that. I, you know, I'm a guy who grew up in Brisbane who dreamed about having a nice car. Um, what I have seen over the last 20 years of what if, if I put my mind to it and I focus clearly, there's some amazing stuff that can happen, right? Um, so I just think I can. And I, it's really weird. I get a much greater sense of happiness by helping someone else. Now, that's extremely cliche. And I never believed in it until three, four years ago. But I get emotional when I know I've made an impact on somebody and they don't even know that I made that impact. It just gives me a greater ROI for me. So I want more ROI of happiness. And it's selfish. It's, it, it may seem like, oh, I'm going to try and be this ultimate hero. I would just want to feel that sensation more often than not. Mm. And I just feel like that's kind of where I'm going to get my happiness. Yeah, I I I totally get it. Like it, it it's a it's a pretty awakening moment for for every. I hope everyone gets to feel it, but I'm sure they don't. When you realize that things have a diminishing return, stuff you can buy has a diminishing return. You could get the best apartment or the best house or the best car, and it's going to be sick. But every single day, it's a little bit less awesome until it becomes normalized and then it's literally it's 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 as it's the same level as if you had something half as expensive and once you realize that that has a diminishing return if you really want to think about the investment of your emotional capital not just your financial capital and stuff like that then you go well what other ways like what other ways can i fill this up and what actually doesn't have a diminishing return and i think that i think that um impact service uh all of that kind of stuff is really the the only thing that i found that that has an exponential return because when you can impact someone deeply, meaningfully, and 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 in a lasting sense, in a positive way, you get that. You don't get a diminishing return. You might get the same amount, but then what they will do is they will then pass on some of that. That that becomes exponential and it goes outside of your control. I think that um, it's a pretty awakening moment when you realize that 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 
that is a way that you can invest. 100%. So um, I want to ask you uh, from a business owner's perspective, because we actually have quite a, quite a lot of clients that come and work with us um, who are business owners who have focused on building a business and now they want to diversify out of business. Uh, and a lot of people as a business owners will focus on like, okay, I'm going to get really good at this. I think I've got no idea how to do, uh, 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 and then, you know, I know people who have literally started five, six businesses because they didn't know what else to do. They're like, one was successful. I guess we just start another one. What are your thoughts on diversification? Do you stick, stay within your lane, uh, and go, look, I'm, I'm in business and I just do business. Is that your asset class aside from your, um, uh, emotional and intellectual capital? Is that your asset class? Do you, how do you consider diversification as part of a holistic, um, personal wealth strategy? Personal wealth, I don't just mean financial. I mean like holistic. Yeah, look, um, I think you need a diverse strategy. Um, now let's be really clear. My best investment class is business for me. Yeah. Uh, I can go acquire businesses, no money down, and create massive wealth through that. I've done that for a long time through partnerships and joint ventures. Um, but I, I, I'm a little bit exotic. I love trialing and testing different things. I could tell you some crazy things that I've invested in. Everything from I invested in golf, professional golf players who <laughs> couldn't, couldn't make it to the tour. So I was the idiot who put my hand up and said, I think you've got something here and, I, and I'd get a percentage of their winnings and, and it never turned out, by the way. It was a horrible investment. But, I mean, <laughs> of course, property, shares, gold, silver. Um, I've got some exotic stuff that I do. I uh, am a part of a very small syndicate. and We invest in uh, what we call sports trading. Um, it's professional gambling. Um, so we, we have a, a syndicate and we do that. Um, so, look, I, I'm, I'm a little bit funny like that. Of course, bricks and mortar. It is such a great investment. Um, but for me, my heart and soul is business. I will do business till the day I die. It just resonates with me and it's where I seem to get the greatest ROI. And you, you kind of touched on it there. Like what is your opinion of property investing? Like just we're actually, I'm actually in a couple of weeks, I've actually got Graham Holm, who I think is a business partner of yours, yeah. coming, uh, coming onto the show as well. Um, and there's a lot of synergy there. And I, the reason I ask what is your opinion of property investing is I have noticed a, a, a seemingly uncanny um, coincidence between a lot of really successful entrepreneurs or successfully in my mind, I look up to them, people like Keith Cunningham, um, you know, even obviously Robert Kiyosaki, there's a whole range of them that have made, and Gary Keller, for example, who have made their way through property and then into business. What is mm -hmm. your opinion on on property investing, you know, do you have any thoughts on that at all? Are you, are you an active investor? Have you just got like, what's your position on the whole topic? Yeah, I think you're mad if you're not taking, uh, um, you know, buying land, buying something that's going to increase in value. Um, you know, I don't talk about this much, but I've got a business where we sold 600 real estate. Uh, we sold 600 properties last year. Um, so I'm heavy into, biz into um, real estate. Um, I just think you're mad. If, and, and even if you're just an average investor, if you can sit here and put 20% down and not live in it, I'm a big fan of investment properties. I'm a big fan of putting a tenant in. You know, what, what other asset class can you put 20% down, have someone else pay it off for the life of the property, and you've made five times, you know, return on it? That's just a very basic strategy. I'm not, I'm not talking about developing. I'm not talking about anything sophisticated. Mm. But 
I think, you know, it's it's a great strategy to grow wealth over a long period of time. I don't believe in flipping. I don't believe in getting in and doing it short term. Uh, land is going to continue to increase in value. Um, so that's just a, a worthwhile investment. But um, I would tell anyone, and I, we tell our clients, if you're not buying investment properties, then there's something wrong. Hmm. And the the you don't have to go into too many business details about it, but the 600 properties that you sold last year, is that... Is it, were they apartments? Is it like apartment blocks? Is it, what's the kind of framework around that? Um, house and land packages, um, apartments, uh, townhouses, you name it. So, you know, in, in one of my businesses, I have a lot of investors. I have a lot of people who want to invest in properties and, and those kind of things. So, yeah, um, you know, not that we're trying to break any records or anything, but pre-COVID, we probably would have sold a 1,000 properties in this year in that business. Um, and that would have been, you know, probably one of the more significant companies in uh, in Australia doing that. So look, I, I've got various investments, various ventures in, in diverse areas. Now, here's the key thing though. I'm always looking for deals and stuff that have a education orientated aspect. If it doesn't have education, you mentioned Graham Home before. That was a company, um, Infinity Group. Um, I've known Graham and Rebecca for eight years and I sat on that deal for a couple of years longer than I should have, but I'm a partner in that deal. I've got, I'm an equity holder in that company. Um, we started because, you know, Graham's the number one mortgage broker in the country. Last year, 2019, won it over every agent in Australia. But when I got involved in that business, I turned it into a front-end education, financial education business. You know, that education front-end business in in the first year will do $20 million just in education. Now, that's a great qualified lead to go in and do financing and, and all those other things. So everything I do has to come back to my vision, has to come back to impacting a billion people. Um, if not, now, there do have a couple of things. Sports gambling <laughs> has nothing to do with education. So let me just be clear. I am doing a few exotic things that are outside the, the norm, but... Most of my stuff is that that requires my time has to be education orientated. How do you know when to take money off the table? Like, let's say you've got a business and it's going pretty well. How do you know? When, and it doesn't matter whether it's into property or into whatever. How do you know when the right time, when it's the right time to take money off the table and to spearhead into a different? Could be in business, could be in whatever. Spearhead into another venture. Look, it depends on the structure of your deal. I have many ventures where I don't take equity because I don't believe it's sellable despite what my partners think. So I'll take a percentage of turnover. So to give you an idea and clarity, for 18 years I haven't taken a salary in any business. I take a percentage of the turnover. Turnover is consistent every single week, every single month. So my usual deal is 2 to 4% of turnover. Now, we know that not every business has a profit or makes a profit. We know that even if you're profitable, you may not get a dividend. Mm. I've got a business of mine for eight years, I've never taken a dividend but it is sellable at some point. So you gotta understand the structure of the deal. Now, if you have a equity-based deal, I suggest taking money off the table in the first three to five years. Otherwise, you start to look at it and go, what are we doing this for? Why is it, why isn't it, you know, why aren't we realizing anything? So I'm very much the entrepreneur. I wanna leave blue sky in it for somebody to take it north. So I will, in the next year, I will go sell a business 
it'll be healthy. And if I wanted to roll my sleeves up with it and go another decade on it, I could get eight times what I'm, I'll get for it. But I'm not, I, I did too many deals where I held on for way too long and got greedy and the market turned. So for me, I'm happy to take money off the table, realize it, and let someone else run with it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. This year, uh, this year we actually, as a business, we started doing revenue share joint venture deals, um, for, for not related to not related to real estate, but related to business. Uh, and I think it's a great model and a really great way to to kind of create that leverage and, and to leverage your skills and abilities without having to sit on the equity. Because the way it's funny, the way that I view real estate, and I think a lot of people don't, which is why I keep talking about it, is that real estate investing is a business. You know, you've got all of the same mechanisms. You've got Cash flow, you know, turnover, revenue, all of that kind of stuff, growth, equity, all of these kind of components that play into it. And it's about getting, knowing what you need and knowing how to get into the deal and get out in the right way that serves what you need. So I'm mindful of time and I just want to wrap up with one last little bit. You've got a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge and perspectives for the aspiring entrepreneur, real estate entrepreneur, or otherwise, someone who's really up to uh, accelerate and expand their uh, intellectual perspective, their impact, their financial opportunity, and all of that kind of stuff. What is one? What is the one biggest piece of advice you could say that is going to move someone from you know, the classic where they are now to where they want to be? What do you think is going to be the most transitioning and transformative advice that you've gathered over the years that you could impart to some other people? Yeah, uh, look, there's probably seven, but I'll give you probably the best one um, is go do your entrepreneurial apprenticeship. What I mean by that is it's a long life. The deal, you know, if you're under 40 right now, you've got so much time. If you're under 50, you've got plenty of time. If you're under 60, you still got time. Most people don't do their entrepreneurial apprenticeship. They go out there, they knock their head, they figure out this, they go, that doesn't work, just like I did. My thought would be go work for someone for three to five years and figure out the journey, figure out the lessons, get proximity to the deals, proximity to the decision-making. Um, I, In my success resources business, I have what I call a positively exit strategy for my staff. What that means is I want them to come in and I don't want them to spend longer than five years with us. Come in unless they're really a career and they want to stick with that. But most of the people in that company are entrepreneurs. So I say, come in. I'll show you what you need to learn. We'll start up. We'll get a, a product and idea. We'll go to MVP. We'll do feasibilities. We'll do all that. Test it while you're in that business with me. And then when you leave there, you'll be better equipped to go do it, right? The big pitfall every business owner makes when they make that jump is they don't know how to deal with Monday morning when there's no salary. One of the key things that I do with my staff on the three to five year exit is point number seven of the 10 steps that I've got is you need to go commission only for at least six months. I want you to feel what it's like to wake up and not have anything and think, how do I get through that? Because the psychology of that hurts most business owners. They can't get through that. That's why I don't like taking a salary. If I come into a venture and I bring value, I have to make it work, but you're going to pay me two to 4% of turnover because I know I can make it work, but I've become so, it's become so normalized to start my month at zero mm. and, and I've got an expensive lifestyle. I've got expensive um, expenses. So I have a system, a process where I help people positively exit, learn what they do, 
do their entrepreneurial apprenticeship so they can go spend the next 50 years learning what they've got to learn. That's what people need to do. Amazing. Great advice. Well, mate, you've brought so much value to, to me and obviously our audience. Now, I want to try and give some value back to you. I mean, how can, how can we support you? Have you got any uh, events coming up? Have you got, like, where can people go to find out more and to support your vision and your mission? And how can we support you? Look, I appreciate you saying that. I typically don't like offering anything because um, I just want, if somebody valued this, they just tag you and I and just go, Michael, I love that. And if they really want to get deep into this, message me and just go, hey, how would I do this deal? What would you suggest, right? I know that the more that I help, the more that I kind of unlock stuff that just manifests in my life. This is, you know, I do, I do 30 podcasts a month. Um, and whenever I do this, I just try and give value. And it's funny game, but the more value I give, the more people that I want to partner with take my call. It's a funny game. So that's all I would suggest. Yeah, it's a funny metaphysical uh, uh, entanglement, isn't there? Well, mate, I'll, uh, we'll put a, a link to Success Resources at the bottom anyway. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's very gracious of you and I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Pleasure.